The information we provide in this podcast is for entertainment and informational purposes only. It should not be used in the place of advice from a mental health medical professional for prevention, diagnosis, or treatment of any other illness. If you're struggling with mental health issues, please seek professional help. The opinions shared in this podcast are our own and do not necessarily reflect those of our employers. Thank you for listening. Everybody, oh my god, and we have been on hiatus for way too long. So let's start with welcome to Here Comes a Thought. So HCAT for short, the podcast where we talk about Steven Universe and psychology, or for me, family therapy. And we've been gone for so long that I almost forgot how to do an intro, but that's okay. That's okay. We are still going to keep going at it. And I guess we have to forgive me also because I have COVID. That's my news for the new year. Way to go. So I'm Kat, your lovely host, and my other two magnificent, awesome, fantabulous hosts are Mark and John. Hi, guys. Hey, everyone. Hello. And and Mark has- Is it really a hiatus if it's season two? Did I mention it's season two? No. Spoilers. Welcome to season two, everybody. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to season two. We we ended things off with a big um, season finale with Jailbreak and uh, what was it? I forgot what the episode was already called. It's Jailbreak (laughs) and something. It's the one before it. Jailbreak and whatever it was. This is how long it's been. That we can't even remember the name of episodes in season one. But that's okay, because everybody knows what we're talking about. Yeah, guys, here we are. We talk about, like you said, Psychology and Steve Universe. And yes, over the course of our um, longer-than-anticipated break between seasons, um, some fantastic things have happened. Well, some fantastic, some not-so-fantastic. But we're only going to focus on the fantastic. And that is... I have now officially completed my undergraduate studies. So I now have a BA in psychology. Which means I semi know what I'm talking about now. (laughs) He's semi pro. Yeah, there we go. (laughs) And, and Jean's news is kind of in the wings, we'll say. We'll say. We'll say. <laughs> I announced that I've officially completed all the requirements to have an official medical doctorate, but still have not received the degree because paperwork. Because COVID. You better get on that. Woo! Medical doctorate. So, so, so he is kind of. Dr. John, but we still haven't gotten the paperwork to officially state that. So, uh, yeah, so hopefully, maybe halfway through this season, <laughs> it'll be Dr. John. If not, definitely by season three, folks. Oh my God. Hopefully, hopefully, before the end of this season. I am hoping for the, before the end of the season. I know 
So COVID is running rampant everywhere. And even though I am saying that I have COVID right now, by the time this comes out, you guys, uh, it, I probably will be over it. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah. <laughs> but my whole household is sick, which is great. Welcome to season two. <laughs> you know, I actually think it's really funny that the the one that's worked in a hospital is the only one out of the three of us that has not contracted COVID. Because I follow all rules and regulations. Hey, um, so did I. Wait, wait, so do I. <laughs> I live... So, so when I traveled, I was one of those people that wore a mask mm-hmm. and kept my hair up and in a hat. And sometimes I was a weird freak person and wore gloves. But that's because, one, I'm allergic to everything. And two, I get sick very easily. You sometimes I didn't wear the gloves because people on planes are a little creeped out by them. Um, but uh, I always wore a mask because on planes they don't care about your allergies and mm-hmm. people will get apple slices all the freaking time. So <laughs> if I don't smell them, I'm good. <laughs> to be fair, I was working in a in a child and adolescent psychiatric ward, which was apart from the rest of the hospital, and we would never accept a patient if they had a positive in their in their COVID tests. They had to recover from COVID, and then we could um, admit them into the hospital. Okay, so so that would be part of your thing. Like, I know yeah. in Puerto Rico, it's, it's running kind of rampant there, though, right? Somewhat, yeah. Or at least it is in my hometown. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so yeah, uh, Jean and I are technically from different sides of the island. Yeah. Um, and so mine is a small little town. If anything, mine should be worse off because I live in the metropolitan area. It should be, but you also have the better doctors. Mm, not, yeah. Not yeah, going to say the best, but the mm-hmm. better ones. <laughs> yeah. Recently we held a funeral because the, the, I live right next to an emergency department. Oh no! And, and one of the doctors died of COVID. See, yeah, those are, those are the things that are hard hitting because those yeah. are the people that are helping everybody else. And what a lot of people don't realize is they will sometimes go from from patient to patient to patient, and they have to change masks, gloves. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of the PPE that they're using, the um just to go from one from one patient to the next so that other people aren't contracting it. But even in that like swift moment of like washing hands, moving to the next one, changing everything out, they can still get very sick from that little exposure. And, you know, everybody's wondering like, okay, why are we still wearing masks if masks yeah. um, don't prevent it? Well, it helps. It does prevent it. It just doesn't. It's not 100% because nothing is 100%. It's like condoms. Mm. Mm -hmm. There we go. And there it is. (laughs) Mm -hmm. But you know, this this sort of information is important, especially in a crisis. We might think think that it's better to just, you know, hide things from people because we're scared of how they might react or how they might be afraid of stuff like the virus. But it's important for us to always practice full disclosure so we can all be there for each other in a time of crisis. 
And that is perfect because that's exactly what our first episode of season two is about. Do the bits. So, Mark? The bits, guys. Good gravy. <laughs> All right. So, we're doing full disclosure. So, I'll try to do a nice little condensed bit here. Um, this is picking up right after jailbreak um, when Malachite gets uh, taken to the bottom of the sea. Um, and the whole episode is really. Um, where Steven is sort of trying, sort of realizing now just how serious uh, and dangerous gem stuff and this whole um, business with the gems actually is. Um, Steven uh, sort of recounts the whole experience to his dad and it uh, freaks his dad out because, of course, you know, that's his son and he's really, you know, scared for it and nervous and, you know, he, he doesn't want anything to happen to him. But obviously, a lot happened to Stephen. Um, and when Stephen sees this, he gets uh, he he sort of realizes, oh, like this this stuff is actually pretty dangerous, and, and it really affects other people. And I don't want other people to be worried about me because I'm fine. Um, so then he um, is getting c- constantly called by Connie. Because, you know, he said he would call her back and explain to her what happened. But then, of course, after the events with his dad, he's like, oh, I don't want to tell her because I don't want her to freak out. I don't want her to get the way my dad was. And I don't want her to worry. You know, that that's not fair to her. Um, and so then he spends the whole episode basically just trying to just flat out ignore her and avoid her. So he's not answering her calls. He has this whole song. Um, saying how, you know, he doesn't want her to be a part of all this because, you know, she doesn't need this in her life. You know, she's trying to do so many other things with her life. She doesn't need this and she doesn't need him. Um, But of course, Connie being, you know, the number one top tier best friend, after getting ignored basically all day, she then comes to Beach City and goes directly to his house to check up on him to see what's going on to make sure he's okay um, and eventually it leads into their confrontation and Steven tries to tell her that, oh, you know, we, we can't be friends anymore. This is, you know, I don't want you to worry. I'm trying to protect you. And she's like, okay, listen, you either can tell me you don't want to be friends to my face or, you know, we're still friends and I'm not going to believe it. And you better tell me what's going on, basically. So this eventually like cracks Steven and Steven um, you know, says like I still want to be friends as he's sobbing because obviously he's heartbroken about it. And, you know, he manages to uh recount everything to her. And, you know, she's like, Yeah, no, this is a lot to take in, but I'm more worried about you. Are you okay? Because you're the one that's living through this, and hey, I want to be a part of your universe. Um and yeah, that and then it sort of like they they have a stronger sense of connection i'd say at the end of the episode that's it that's the bits so thank you mark (laughs) so we get a lot from this episode which is great um and i mean this is really a lot of talking about one coping skills coping strategies which we see with um oh my god greg Mm -hmm. 
I just had a moment where his name just slipped. Mm-hmm. Emotion, uh, emotion regulation. Um, and I love the, uh, definition of brooding. It's the, uh, the showing deep unhappiness of thoughts, um, which is what Steven is kind of doing, but he doesn't know what brooding is because mm-hmm. he kind of asks, um, Ronaldo what Ronaldo. he means by, uh, when he says, you know, this is a brooding spot. Um, and it, it's just one of those moments where, yeah, it would have been great for him to have the definitions, but he's really showing it. It's that moment where he he's very unhappy. He's got these really kind of negative thoughts in his head, mm-hmm. um, and he doesn't know how to deal with them. You know, Stephen is normally just a very happy-go-lucky kid. So to have a moment where he's kind of stuck and has to think, how do I protect others in a different way which is what he's doing in this situation or what he thinks he's doing by not telling connie what's going on yeah um he feels like he's protecting her so he's keeping the secret and he's just kind of uh ghosting her so we've got to think of the several several things like what is distress tolerance um so how you cope with stress um, and a crisis, getting into behaviors that provide relief, um, but at a great cost. Mm-hmm. So some of, that's some of the things with distress tolerance. Um, so ineffective behaviors will include like alcohol and drug abuse, self-injury, gambling, spending money and overeating. Um, or you can learn effective coping skills to kind of help you with your distress tolerance. Mm-hmm. Um and at this point, Steven really doesn't know any of this. He doesn't know how to cope with any of these feelings. Um, his go-to person is his father. Um, and his father shows actually something that I really like with his, uh, with his emotional regulation. Mm-hmm. He steps away from Steven. You know, he tells Steve what I love it. He told Steven, I'm very proud of you. Um, so, there was something else, but there was that part where he tells him, I'm very proud of you, but I need to, yeah, I need a moment. And he goes to his van mm-hmm. um, and he's looking for his relaxing music, um, which I don't think he finds. Instead, he finds like this crazy heavy metal music. Um, but he practices emotion regulation and he does it in a way not trying not to scare Steven, which is something mm-hmm. that... Um, makes me go, oh my God, Greg is such a great dad. He is extremely overwhelmed by this information. He's extremely terrified by this information. But instead of trying to talk Stephen out of it, instead of trying to um, convince Stephen he should never be doing these things, and instead of showing Stephen or wanting to show Stephen that he's terrified by what, what happened and what he just heard... He steps away from him um, and he goes to his car and he tries to do some deep breathing um, to music that will help him relax. Again, heavy metal. Uh, for me, in all honesty, heavy metal can be relaxing and it puts me to sleep half the time. Um, and I think it's just the heavy beat that <laughs> helps me kind of like my body just goes. Yeah. <laughs> um, so emotion regulation. um, are skills that will help decrease your vulnerabilities to intense emotions, and it increases positive emotions. If you guys are wondering where I'm getting all these informations, by the way, this is my DBT deck. 
uh, which I use with a lot of my clients to help them with developing mm-hmm. some coping skills, um, figuring out what their distress tolerance is, um, identifying uh, like mindfulness, things like that. Um, mm-hmm. So I use it on a regular basis with my clients because mindfulness is a big thing. Um, so DBT is uh, what they call dialects. Um, so it relates to, and I'm going to read it right off the card. So dialects relate to the synthesis of opposites. Instead of thinking all or nothing, either either or or black and white terms, try seeing shades of gray between the black and the white. Um, so the practice practice in being flexible, uh, flexible in your thinking, finding your middle ground. Uh, so basically, when when in conflict, find something to agree about in the other person's perspective, um, which is something that a lot of kids have mm-hmm. difficult difficulty with. It's it's either like you agree with me or we're arguing, and that's not the case. There's probably something mm-hmm. that you do agree with in the other person's argument. You're just not seeing it because you're in a high distress level and your distress tolerance is very low. Steven is showing that his distress tolerance is extremely low in wanting to kind of get away from Connie to, to attempt to protect her. Yeah. I think one thing that we also have to think about when, when we think about the interaction that Steven and Greg has, right. Uh Is that, when Steven gets out of that specific situation that was, you know, the earth was in danger, like, um, it was like catastrophic event. He wasn't actually as stressed as he could have been. But when he sees the reaction in his father, that's sort of like the trigger where he suddenly understands the scale of what happened, right? Because he sees how his father panics as a result of him disclosing what it was that happened to him. And sometimes it's important for us to be able to to sit with the feelings that other people have when we tell them things like these. It can be very difficult because we're disclosing something that happened to us. But we also have to remember that Greg is Stephen's father and he loves him so much that the very concept of him being continually put in danger is something that stresses Greg out a lot. But that doesn't mean that it's not something Stephen should have ever told Greg. It just means that maybe Stephen should have the tools to understand that what he's going to tell his father is something stressful. When he when he talks to to Greg, he says everything very nonchalantly. Like, hey, I got kidnapped and I almost died. And that's pretty much everything that happened. Um, but it's not until his, he sees his, father react, his father's reaction that he starts getting this feeling of maybe I should have never told him, right? And maybe with better tools, um, Stephen can prepare himself emotionally for the reaction that he's going to get when he starts a conversation like this with his father, which is something that he was able to do with Connie because Connie was calm to begin with, right? Connie was open and she told Stephen, like, you know, whatever it is, just tell me. Let's just talk about it. Let's sit down. And even though Connie had feelings of her own, she was able to sort of steal herself and and 
tell herself like, okay, this is very hard for me to hear, but how are you, Steven? Because this is something that essentially happened to you. So it's a very interesting sort of like difference in how we react to stress in situations like these. Um, yeah. I also want to point out like how um like the, like this is really the the in my opinion the starting point for Steven's uh you know character growth. Um you know you know like we we were all talking about that he is explaining everything so nonchalantly like oh yeah, you know, got kidnapped, got decked in the eye, you know, we were completely overpowered, but you know it's fine. We're fine. We're here now. And then, of course, seeing Greg and everything, this is what I believe is going to be the starting point for Steven to be like, oh, no, I need to handle these things more maturely. Um, and, of course, this is where he's going to try and take on the responsibility and, and what exa- it exactly means to be a crystal gem um, and just as a growing individual in general, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm sure we can all remember the or at least maybe, I don't know, uh, of the time when we sort of realized that, okay, we're not necessarily little kids anymore. There's some certain expectations of us or you just kind of get the idea that like, no, I should be handling these situations a little bit differently. Mm-hmm. Um, and and for Steven, this is, the, this is the moment. Now, of course, you know, he still gets some things wrong he's still trying to figure this out and of course the gems aren't the best role models for these sorts of things but you know and th- and this is where we get the whole ghosting connie you know he thinks that oh this is the responsible thing to do is to ghost her just completely cut off contact and no explanation no signs or, or heads up or anything just mm-hmm. completely cease contact um, and of course that's, that's not, you know, and that's, you know, all basically it's just a shitty thing to do. Um, and, and you know, this is where we have that idea that, it, or, or Steven's getting the idea that, um, it's better to not be friends with someone and just cut off contact than it is to feel like they're, then he's being a burden. Um, and it's something that we'll kind of get a little bit more into in the next episode when, when we get into Joyride, where Steven is always so caring for other people and this is what we see throughout basically the entire first season he's caring for others he he does everything he can to help everyone in beach city um and he helps the gems he helps his dad he helps connie helps you know the mayor he you know everybody he 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 goes out of his way he goes above and beyond and when the situation is now turned to him and it's about him he i don't i think he feels a little uncomfortable about that yeah you know it's not something he's used to not something he necessarily wants because he would rather be more caring about somebody else and i think you know this is like the start of like a i i would say an unhealthy coping mechanism where he's redirecting uh the the energy or the uh the pain or the 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 trauma that he goes through he redirects it and and instead um instead of dealing with his own issues or or coming face to face with his own emotions mm-hmm. um he decides to go out of his way and help somebody else who's struggling or um 
you know, be a listening ear or do something else for somebody else as opposed to dealing with his own issues. Um, and I feel like this is where like you're starting to see those little hints and bits and pieces. But of course, you know, he's, he's still young. He's still trying to learn these things and, and, and he's essentially starting to grow up and it's adorable. Yeah. And I, I think as you, as you put it, he's looking for role models. And I think that's a very important part of this episode because when he, when he sees his father's reaction and his usual role model is his father, then he, he doesn't have anybody who he can trust with the feelings that he's having at the moment. And so the one person that appears to him is, um, Ronaldo, right? And so, Ronaldo sort of sits with him and starts saying, you know, like, uh, you know, um, I, you understand, Stephen, because you also know about all these conspiracies. And so ordinary people fear the cold lidded anchor of the truth. And so um, the abyss is no Sunday swan ride. And he says stuff like that. Um, and And I think Ronaldo is the one that teaches Steven in a way that it's better. It's better to just like suffer quietly and, and take all that suffering upon yourself instead of giving it to other people. And in a way, I found that ironic because Ronaldo's whole thing is about putting conspiracies out there and fear mongering. But let's leave that on, on, on one side of the discussion. That's, Um, That's on a back burner. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> um, he he fear mongers is what he what he does. But then on Steven's side, he he starts building this logic that, in a way, sort of makes sense. You know, if you're exposed to something that is terrible and that terrible thing scares you, why would you impose that scary thing on somebody else? And I think that's a very natural impulse or emotion to feel in moments like these, that perhaps you would be a burden, or perhaps, you know, letting other people know what scares you is going to scare them, and you're not putting, you're, you're doing more wrong than good in the world, if you're just spreading the, the fear. But then the situation stands that Connie still loves Stephen, and she still wants to support Stephen. And in part, he has to respect her her feelings for him, right? In part, he has to respect that Connie is in charge of what Connie wants to know and what she doesn't. But also, he has to understand that it's it's very difficult for anybody to be able to bear anything on their own, and and I think those two things are are core to to Stevens and Connie's interaction throughout the episode the respect he has for Connie and the the fear that he has of sort of like traumatizing her in the process so what i what i was thinking about though is uh like Steven starts to try to self isolate um and pearl and amethyst are over here like agreeing with him that they need to protect everybody so Pearl had had a fence up and she's like, Oh, we can build another fence Which and works. with barb- with, with barbed, barbed wire. <laughs> uh, and Amethyst is like, let's build a moat, which I love. She does jazz hands when she says, let's build a moat. Um, she said she does jazz hands when she says she'll be the crocodile. Yes. That's, <laughs> it. uh, but, but 
this is them helping Steven isolate. And Garnet is the one who, of course, Garnet is mom, is the mom figure and turns around and says, no, Steven needs to be able to have access to his friends. He needs to be able to have access to his dad. We're not going to like build this moat. We're not going to, you know, cause him to isolate more because she could kind of see him starting to shut down. Mm-hmm. She doesn't talk to him about it, but she kind of puts the kibosh on on him isolating and, and letting them isolate him. Mm-hmm. And I think it also sort of shows the effectiveness of secrecy when Pearl's sort of like suggestion is, okay, we'll build, a, we'll build a fence and nobody will cross that fence. And we know that everyone crosses that fence. And so Amethyst says, okay, you know, I'll be the crocodile, but does she have the commitment to be the crocodile? And so both of them are suggesting, you know, we bunker up, we don't let anybody know anything, but eventually the world will always come back to us and we'll have, we'll always need to respond to it. And it's better to be honest like Garnet says, it's better to keep those connections that completely break them off, right? Because being completely isolated never works. I don't know. I mean, she did suggest barbed wire. And I don't know about you, but I wouldn't cross a fence with barbed wire on it. Um, the would cool you cross kids a fence would. with barbed wire on it? I mean, if I had clippers... Yeah, like, you see, like, you had to like, have something. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. even so, she never specified how much barbed wire she was going to use. So, you, know, you see, I don't know, barbed wire, I think, is an effective tactic. Mm-hmm. I just completely defeated your whole purpose of that. <laughs> <laughs> well... They they tried the fence, not the barbed wire. But I don't think it'll work. Eventually, the cool kids will, will cut through the fence. The cool kids always cut through the fence. Or they'll just climb the mountain, I guess. Yeah. They'll just do some uh, Assassin's we- Creed part four, you know? <laughs> we'll talk more about that later. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, parkour and everything. Um, but yeah, I mean... I. Is there anything else you need to say, we need to say about a full disclosure, or do you think we can move on to the next episode here? I think I'm pretty good. You think you're pretty good? Yeah, all right. Well, how about how about you, Cat? Well, she's. Uh, I'm going to speak for her because I'm sure the COVID's getting the best of her. Um, I say she's fine. <laughs> I say we can, we can, I think this is a good transition point to Joyride because I, there's some stuff in, in Joyride that I wanted to talk about because, especially because it's in this last semester of school that I just recently completed, boy, did I relate to this. Um, so yeah, so, so in Joyride, we're going to, we're going to jump right into the bits, the, the nice crispy bits. Uh, Joyride is um, sort of the aftermath of everything still, um, picking up right where we left off. And in it, uh, the the Gems and Steven are busy trying to clean up at the beach. They're trying to get all the pieces of the wrecked ship 
because they can't risk anybody uh, getting a hold of, of the any part of the ship just in case it might be potentially dangerous. And then, of course, there's the there's still the shadow of Peridot because Peridot is still somewhere out there um, in, in the world and they have no idea where she is or where her escape pod might be. Um, and while Steven's uh, off on his own cleaning up the uh, cleaning up the beach and gra- gathering pieces of the ship, the cool kids come by and they're like, hey, man, let's go hang out. We, we were going to I forgot what they were going to do already. I just watched the episode. They were going to uh, like rile up some squares or something like oh, they were, yeah, yeah, yeah. they were going to scare some squares. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And then Steven said he's fond of all basic shapes. Um, and he said, of course, no, he, he said, uh, no, he had to help clean up the beach. Um, he was going to be busy working on this all day. So they, you know, of course, let him get back to work and and they go off and do, you know, terrorize squares or whatever it is that they were doing. Mm -hmm. Um, but then at night, Steven's kind of laying down and he's sort of complaining about how tired he is. But then, uh, a piece of pizza hits his window and this is the, the good old beginning of pizza rain. But no pizza clouds. Mm-hmm. Um, but then, of course, he looks down. And it's just the it's just uh, sour cream and, and Buck uh, trying to get his attention. And they're saying, "Hey, well, it's nighttime. Uh, you're done working for the day, so let's hang out." So then Stephen agrees, and they go out for a drive. And then the all the cool kids are sort of um, airing out their grievances, however uh, trivial or mundane they might be. And then this is when Steven sort of starts opening up a little bit about what's on his mind and, and sort of the struggles that he's sort of going through pretty much on it by himself, you know, he, the, and, and trying to come to terms and, and realize the, the seriousness of the situation that's, you know, now at hand with him. And after sort of airing out all these grievances, the, the cool kids are like, yo, man, that that's pretty heavy. And then, of course, at this point, uh, they find Peridot's uh, escape pod, but of course, no Peridot. So then the cool kids are like, hey, let's let's take some pictures, let's do, take some selfies, and then they get Steven to go in it. Um, but of course, because Steven's half gem, he gets in it and the escape pod gets activated. Um, and Steven is, is like, Hey, okay, I found it. I really should take this to the gems. And let's say, like, no, let's, let's hang out with it for, let's play around with it for a little bit. Let's just have fun. So Steven does. Um, and then eventually he, um, really activates it like, uh, and engages it's like flight mode. And like, he's setting off like a, like these lasers, he set off a flare, which ultimately let the, uh, alerted the gems to where he was and them still thinking it was Paradot try to attack the escape pod um and the cool kids are like oh well hold on wait you need to stop and as garnet's about to like completely obliterate this thing with a punch um which one is it which one of the the twins is it um kiki kiki yeah it's kiki so kiki jumps in is like hold on wait stop it's Steven in there. Then Garnet realizes it's Steven and then cracks it open like a nice egg. Um, and they start, uh, you know, the gems start, you know, um, you know, reprimanding him. I was about to say um, something else and I realized that wasn't the right word, but reprimand is the right word I was looking for. Mm-hmm. Um, 
for for not taking the ship back and, and alerting to them like hey i found the ship um and then the cool kids immediately come to steven's defense and like hey man he's he's just a kid yeah the work you guys are doing is important but you know everybody needs a break and right now steven needs a break he's got a lot on his mind we don't know necessarily what's going on but whatever it is it's it's got to be you know a lot to him because you know he look at him like and um then the gems are sort of start rethinking about things like oh you know maybe i was a little too we've, we've been a little too hard on him and it ends with Steven being finally ungrounded from TV. Finally. This is what we've been finally. waiting for. Yeah, right? Now he can watch the, mid, the mid-series uh, season finale of Under the Knife. <laughs> okay. And yeah, that's the crispy bits for Joyride. So, I spoke for you, Cat, and I collectively said that we were pretty much wrapped up with. Uh, what oh, I the... I trust you guys. Don't worry. Are you okay? Yeah, full disclosure. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah, yeah. I just, I, I just, yeah. He just had a worst part about COVID died. is every once in a while you just start feeling very, very sick. Um and and yeah, so that happened. <laughs> Good, you're okay. Yes, I'm fine. So, in terms of Joyride, um, my relationship with the cool kids is like this hot and cold relationship. I think we've been discussing throughout the first season whether, you know, I think their head's in the right place or not. And, uh, you know, at the at the beginning of the episode, I thought, you know, they, when they tell Steven, you know, that's what I'm talking about. You have the much needed counterpoint to our cynical worldview. It also shows like growth from their part that they, they're observing that Steven is a good influence in them. And so they want to hang out more with Steven because it, it sort of informs uh, their experience as teenagers. And one of the biggest things about being a teenager is that it, you begin to understand that the world is imperfect. And that's that's one of the biggest realizations you can have growing up, going from a childlike perspective in which your your parents are lo- are the law and pretty much perfect, and suddenly as you're reaching um, adolescence, you start to understand that maybe your parents aren't a- as cool as you thought they were, maybe they're filled with flaws, and so dealing with those emotions can be very harsh and that's part of what we we get to seeing these cool kids as they're riding down the road driving down the road and and just talking about their relationship with their parents um and the fact that they brought steven along so that he could disclose those feelings as well even though we constantly ask ourselves whether steven is is emotionally still a child or or an adolescent I think it's great that they gave Steven that particular space to express himself. And and I think that's where or I was kind of heading because uh ultimately when it comes to what the what the cool kids are doing, um, that's age appropriate. I mean, the going out at night, the hanging out all day, the griping about parents, that's age appropriate. They're at that point where um 
mom and dad are not Superman and Superwoman. They are not perfect. Um, and they're seeing the flaws. Um, but not only are they seeing the flaws, now they're exponentially uh, raising those flaws. So now they're saying they went from mom and dad can take over the world and are perfect and are on this pedestal to mom and dad are, uh, I hate to say this, but mom and dad are stupid. Uh, I don't know why they want me to do this. They're always bossing me around. Um, And Stephen is not in that spot. Stephen very much is still like, dad is the best person in the world. I can't believe he freaked out when, you know, I told him. And that was his his one moment of seeing seeing sort of that humanistic flaw in his father, which kind of broke Stephen a little bit for that episode. So mm-hmm. just just one episode before, you know, and he's starting to see the the human quality of his father, that his father is extremely human. Um, but is he in the same place as the cool kids? Not really. Mm-hmm. Um, he's still on the, you know, yeah, dad is great. Yeah. Um, does he not see him at, does he not have him on a pedestal? Yes, he doesn't. He definitely does not have him on a pedestal any longer. Um, but Greg is still Steven's best friend. Yeah. Um, and what his main concern about, uh, his main concerns are, sorry, that was like really bad English. <laughs> so what his main concerns are more of the, the gems and their way of, um, the, the way the, the gems are relating to him and kind of getting him to, um, do all this gem stuff and kind of give up that childhood mentality, which Steven still has. Um, but it becomes one of those things like, okay, the last time we saw Steven hanging out with the cool kids, he was hanging out with the cool kids and Lars, um, which he looks up to Lars. This one is, more of just Steven and the cool kids. Mm-hmm. I think another way that we see just like where they are um, in terms of like the way they think is that another thing we see in this episode is that Steven is being introduced to um, peer pressure, right? Mm-hmm. The the cool That's kids. In just this- where I was going. <laughs> <laughs> Do you want to continue that point? Uh, well, my main, uh, the main takeaway of what I was going to say was like, so now the cool kids are coming to get Steven by himself late at night. Mm. Um, and they convince him to leave the home. And Steven doesn't even think, uh, to go and tell the gems where he is. Mm-hmm. Um, which of course, then the gems are going to come looking for him because Steven is, is Steven is normally the, the good kid. The cool kids don't even bother saying, hey, maybe you should say something to your parents or to your guardians or to the gems to let them know where you're going because their whole thing is, no, come hang out with us uh, and you can help us deliver the rest of of Mr. Smiley's pizza, which I, the, just the pizza abuse on this, man. Horrible. Horrible. <laughs> 
truly horrible. Yes, but I like the fact that Pizza Rain, you know, I, I started singing Pizza Rain to the song Purple Rain. Yeah, I'm just insane. Um, so, <laughs> <laughs> um, so part of what we see here in this episode is that, as I said, Stephen is being introduced to what is peer pressure. Right. And so what is a comforting act for the for the cool kids is to do things that completely they they cross the line between what is legal, what is allowed. Right. And so they like to be mischievous. They like to be devious and do things that they're not supposed to because it's fun and because it gives them this I this feeling that whatever rules their parents have imposed on them they can break them and they're free from them for at least a little point in time. And so in a way, when they're trying, when they're telling Steven, you know, leave your house, even though this might make you uncomfortable, like, let's go out for a ride, get in the pod. And you see that throughout this whole process, they're sort of peer pressuring Steven into doing more and more things, sort of feeling that if Steven started breaking more rules, he would he would be freed from this sort of emotional load that he has as a fellow young person, so as to say. But I mean, they know how old Steven is. Mm-hmm. So I mean, and I guess this is this is me thinking that they would have a little bit more self uh, self knowledge to to think. Okay, where was I when I was? Oh my God, is he ten? Hmm. Uh, I, I think, no, um, I think he's, I think he's yeah, he's, I think he's 12. Okay, yeah. so, but still, where was I at 12 years old versus where I'm at now where they're 16, 17, 18 years old? Mm-hmm. And why are they hanging out with a 12-year-old? Mm-hmm. So, it's you know, age-appropriate for them. You know, those are things that those kids at that age will do. They will attempt to push their limits mm-hmm. um, to see what they can get away with and what they will get in trouble with. It's it's how they have a sense of control. This is how they get that freedom, that sense of control that they want as adolescents going into adulthood. Mm-hmm. Steven is 12. He is not in that place to think like he's not pushing that boundary. He already has a weird boundary because of the fact that he's a crystal gem. Mm -hmm. But the fact that they are so like, I'm a little sus at the fact that they're just willing to hang out with a 12 year old. Like what, what kind of weirdo goes, yeah, you know what? I'm going to hang out with my kid brother today. You know, we're going to go joyriding and, and I'm going to try to get them in, tr- get them in trouble with me. Like usually hmm. adolescents are more of the let's keep our little siblings out of trouble. Like I'm going to get in trouble, but I don't want you to get in trouble. I think it, it could still be sort of age appropriate in the sense that first, they're not measuring the consequences of their actions. Secondly, they see a kid who is very stressed out, but is still doing chores like cleaning up the beach, right? Mm -hmm. And sometimes 
and and this is a like a very good friend of theirs and somebody they actually feel is more mature than they are right when they say like you need you you have the much needed counterpoint to our cynical worldview it shows that they sort of put steven in the same emotional intelligence sort of level that they are right mm-hmm. and so i think in a way what they're trying to do is saying like what this kid what this kid needs, what our little brother needs right now at a moment like this is to sneak into a cemetery and take selfies and have just a good time. And that's, we're not thinking about whether he's going to get in trouble. We're not thinking about, you know, the consequences. We're just thinking about, you know, this kid needs a, a, a nice day off. That's what he needs. A day off taking selfies at the cemetery. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> wait, are you th- wait? Are are you saying cemetery is like a general example, or as in like it was in the show? I'm saying it as a personal example. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah, they were in a wheat field. They weren't yeah. in a cemetery. Yeah. I, okay. I just want to make sure that we <laughs> I, that I had that clarified for myself. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Or, or just like anywhere random where you can just like break into or you know jump a fence into into the park that closes at night and so you you just jump the fence and hang out stuff like that so i love the fact that he uh oh my god what was his name lars no not lars um mm. fuck so yeah is that sour cream sour cream okay he's like time is an illusion mm-hmm. <laughs> like okay you know what time is a man-made construct mm-hmm. so you can kind of say time is an illusion there's no like, yes, we have clocks, but there's no physical manifestation of time when it comes to, like, day, night. That's all you're going to see is day, night. Mm-hmm. The only other physical manifestation of time would be the ages mm-hmm. and how it's marked developmentally. Yeah. So the fact that he's over here saying, well, time is an illusion. Like, okay, well, isn't it nighttime? I'm supposed to be right. Nope, time is an illusion. Yeah, You know, we do what we want when we want to, because there's nothing to really dictate that I can't do this at this point, at this time of night. Mm-hmm. Um, And that gives some, Steven something new to think about, because he's always been, he's kind of structured. Yeah. I mean, he's structured on, like, gem lifestyle, but he is very structured. He wakes up, he makes his breakfast, you know, he has his cartoons he watches, and then he does whatever he needs to do. Granted, it's not school, but he does have a, a routine that he follows for the day. Mm-hmm. So to tell Stephen, okay, your routine is based on a construct that's not really real, mm-hmm. gives him something new to think about. Yeah. And he gets to kind of do the, okay, well, then if that's the case, I can go out tonight. You know, I it's I, it's not a real construct and kind of the gems won't know what the difference in time is because it's not real to them either. Yeah. Yeah. They don't sleep, but they know you do. And it's consistent with like the, um, adolescent trend and just like, um, philosophizing and, and starting to get like these sort of superficial introspection. Um, you know, applying the concept that time is an illusion to is Am I out of curfew or not? Right. Exactly. Um, <laughs> and so I think all all sour cream wants from Steven is just to for for their parent for his parents to let him just be a DJ, right? Have some sort <laughs> of 
have some sort of freedom and and not have a prescribed lifestyle. And, and in that sort of sense, it's it's very it's very nice of them to do that sort of thing. But we also have to take note of the way they are pressuring Steven into doing things that he's not comfortable with because they believe that's what's best for him. Um, and that has consequences. So wait, Steven's been grounded from the television all this time since season one. Mm-hmm. Yep. Damn. That's why we don't see him watch TV. Nope. That poor kid. Well, he would mean he was supposed to have no TV for a thousand years. Very true, and luckily enough, uh, that doesn't happen. Okay. <laughs> uh, the one big thing I wanted to point out and that I was mentioning as we were transitioning here um, was just how sort of relatable this episode is to really anybody that is either going through a really difficult time or like with my person, like with a personal example for me, just getting through school, whether it's middle school, high school uh college you know especially when like it's getting close to the end of the school year or you're about to graduate everything is like getting really piled on like you have finals you have projects you have papers you have all these different things that you have to do and it can get really stressful and then that's only just taking into account like the school stuff of what's happening at school academic wise that's not including Let's say maybe you have uh, an after-school job or you do extracurricular activities or your family situation's a little chaotic or it's unhealthy. Or you're dreading the change that will come after school. Like, what are you going to do with your life? Yeah, it's either, yeah, and yeah, and then of course comes your your own personal thing. So it could be dread. It could be anxiety over what's going to come next. Um and all of this just kind of leads to being just very, very overwhelmed. And it gets to a point where, um, like Kiki and everybody was saying, it's like, hey, you just need a break. But it's important um, to, like, like you guys are saying, it's important to kind of understand, like, okay, but it's okay to take a break, but just how much is too much, you know? Um, I feel like for a lot of people, they don't necessarily always need an external source of like a Kiki, a sour cream and buck, but internally you have those voices in your head that are trying to tell you to do something for yourself because you, you need a break. You're, you're mentally overwhelmed, you're emotionally overwhelmed or whatever it is, you need a break. And those voices and, you know, within your, within yourself will try to keep telling you to keep doing these things and sort of put off whatever it is that you need to do, whether it's a paper, whether it's a project or whatever. Um, And again, like that has consequences and it's important that you kind of, you can listen to those voices and, you know, indulge yourself and, and give yourself that, that much needed break. But it's also important to understand, okay, when, when do I like need to really like start hammering down and and say okay breaks over i need to get back to what it is that i was doing or what it is that i was prepping for um and in steven's case like you can see that you know he's actively trying to like go against it he's like okay no hold on i I need to turn this in hey we can't mess with this this could be dangerous but ultimately it's just that that inner voice or in this case an external voice that's just um 
sort of overpowering your, your voice of reason mm-hmm. and ultimately will then lead you to do these more impulse like engage in your impulses or engage in in these pleasures that you know will help you sort of relax and unwind um and sometimes it might take like a very serious reality check to sort of be like oh okay okay that now you know break time's over so in some cases it could be like realizing that the test that you need to take is tomorrow and you haven't studied or you haven't studied as much as you'd wanted to or the project is like you have to present the project in a few hours and you haven't gone over your your speech at all you know those sort of reality checks i mean i know those are like extreme ones but still like those reality checks are what like what i think of as garnet amethyst and pearl when they first show up Mm-hmm. It's like they they serve as the reality check of like okay, this break time, this play time, it's over. It needs to stop. We need to get back on track. So is this the first time that? Because I'm I'm kind of blanking on season one right now because I actually watched the whole like I was watching all of Steven Universe like for a while, and I'm back on the like oh crap, what happened in season one? Is this the first time that we're seeing Steven kind of? deal with the concept of self-care mm, I, would, I wouldn't say so I would, necessarily no. yeah i this is definitely the first time where he's sort of doing something for himself simply because you know it, it's to kind of how take his mind off of things but it was well, that's self-care well but the thing is like this wasn't his idea well he, now he was talked into it so, but this goes back to the whole situation of Steven's standard version of self-care. What would that look like? It'll probably look like doing training with the gems. Is that actual self-care? Hmm. I wonder, actually. Maybe self-care for him would be like um, having together breakfast or so- or doing something... Spending like watching, time with Connie. Yeah, spending time with Connie, watching Doccopter. Um, so so those are those moments where he's practicing some level of self-care, mm-hmm. but he's never opened up about anything that actually really happened with the gems mm-hmm. when it's been this major. He's been it sits on him and he kind of yeah. uh he keeps it to himself. So the the act of sort of rebellion with the cool kids becomes a form of self-care. Um, and um, Kiki, uh, Buck, Sour Cream, they're all his external, internal voice. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. So they're the, they're the external manifestation of what normally a person would be like, hey, I need a break. I, I need to take a moment. I need to kind of like... Uh, take care of me, recharge, and then go at my my daily routines. Um, and they're kind of forcing him into the self care. Mm-hmm. So, if you look in at this one situation, it's one of those moments where you're going, okay, Stephen is emotionally ghosting himself. Mm-hmm. He's keeping everything to himself. He doesn't know like he's he's still dealing with the fact that we we don't know if paradox there uh there's still this uh, jasper and uh lapis lazuli, lazuli are still like chained at the bottom of the ocean um and and 
I think people are still going to come and try to take me back to Homeworld because I'm my mom. Which, of course, Sour Cream has no clue what he means by he's his mom, but he goes with it mm-hmm. because he needs to get it off his chest. They all know he needs to get it off his chest. So the cool kids are literally just different versions of Steven trying to get Steven to kind of advocate for himself and do some of his own self-care. Yes, it's forced on him by these more grown children, but they get him to relax. They get him to put his guard down and they get him to to do things and talk about things that he would not have done if he stayed just doing regular gem stuff. Yeah. I think there's, if you read the wiki, there was this interesting parallel that they drew in which if you look closely, um, the cool kids are like teenage versions of the crystal gems. Being Buck being Garnet, Sour Cream being Pearl, and Kiki being um, Amethyst <laughs> in terms of their personality, except that in a way, like the crystal gems are more like a force for order in students' lives, except Amethysts. Let's let's face it, she's she's not a force for order. Um, but then the cool kids are sort of like they try to do the same thing for Steven. They try to care for him, but in a more chaotic way. They want him to sort of break free of his shell. They want him to do things that he would usually not do. And sometimes that change in perspective can be very helpful. And there's there's always a time for, for chaos, and there's always a time for order when when we're facing these sorts of situations. And having that sort of balance is always interesting. I blew you away. Yeah, actually, I'm, I'm trying to like, huh, I can I can see that. Uh and it's kind of funny that, uh, like, they all talk about their parents, except for Kiki, who talks about her twin sister. Mm-hmm. And it's funny because she tries to talk that she's the bad one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She's like, no, 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 guys. I need you to understand. I'm the bad sister. I'm the one that's not going to do these things. So please don't ask me for help with it because I'm not going to do it because I'm supposed to be the bad one. <laughs> I thought that was really funny. So yeah. it, it they're they are but uh you know, Buck is always being kind of like redirected by his dad. Like you have to behave in public, you know, I'm a public uh, uh I'm a public official, you know, you gotta do what I you know, to protect my own public image. And I mean in situations like that, yeah, it gets kind of stressful on a kid because when do they get to be themselves if they're always putting on a scene mm-hmm. uh for public image. Uh, and, you know, uh, sour cream, which is hilarious. So his, his fa his stepfather is, what's his name? Yellow, yellowtail? Yellowtail. That is it. Is it? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Um, and he doesn't, he kind of babbles or garbles or whatever. And I mean, sour cream can understand him, which is great. Um, but he's always telling him to like go fishing or do fishing, you know, be a fish, uh, be a fish, be a fisherman, <laughs> <laughs> be a fish. <laughs> um, and, uh, and, and, but Kiki is the one who's kind of like, okay, well, my sister is the one always on my, um, 
on my case because she's so ordered, she's so responsible, and she thinks my life is kind of reckless. So, I mean, in those kind of things, yeah, you can see Buck. So you said Buck was Garnet. Yeah. I don't know, because I think Buck would sort of be... Well, no, because that would be sort of me or Dewey would like, be. Like, Buck is the serious leader of the Cool Kid Pack, and he has, like, that same Garnet energy, <laughs> where they're both, like, deadpan half of the time. And they both wear sunglasses. Exactly. There we go. <laughs> and both Sour Cream and, and Pearl have, like, weird bird hair. I was going to say, they have that bird energy. <laughs> yeah. Like they're they're very much and and it's so funny because everybody's like oh what do you mean like bird energy yeah sour cream is kind of laid back but he's it's that kind of laid back that there's almost uh almost that kinetic energy coming like buzzing off of him so almost like a hummingbird you know you would see him he seems really chill um but when he talks and he talks about things he's passionate about or things that he's like in this situation, griping about, it's very like a buzz, mm -hmm. which is definitely Pearl. Yeah. And yeah, the chaos of, you know, of uh, <laughs> Amethyst and, and Kiki. Yeah, I can under I can see that. There's an interesting theory. Yeah, I dude, I, I really, I can see it. I mean, it, it took me a moment for me to like kind of sketch it out myself, but yeah, I can definitely see it. Um, but I do like the fact, so that, you know, they, they not just play with the pod, Steven gets in it and is able to drive this thing around. Um, and that again is also age appropriate of, of someone who's 12 years old, finally getting a chance to drive uh, a vehicle. Um, yes, 12 year olds shouldn't be driving vehicles, but I mean, I also, at this point, live in rural Pennsylvania, and kids are on ATVs all the time. Um, so their first uh, chance of driving is is a sense of freedom for them, which is a freedom that Stephen did not have before this episode. Because and and it's mostly because of the fact that the the crystal gems are kind of all over Steven, um, even though they do have that kind of like, you kind of do whatever you want. And as long as it's not going to put you in jeopardy, we're fine with it. Um, but his day is pretty much made up of like, okay, crystal gem training, or, you know, we're going to do this, we're going to this, this expedition, whatever. This is his first taste of sort of human freedom. Where he gets to go and experience something like a child would. We're, we're going to, you know, you're going to get in this vehicle and you're going to drive it around. Um, you're going to drive it around. Not like you're sitting on someone's lap and they're, you know, helping you drive it around. Um, but you're doing this yourself. Um, and I think that's when Steven kind of finally starts having fun. So, I mean, I don't know about you guys. I love driving when I have a, when I have a lot on my mind, I actually like to get in my car and just kind of drive around, which kind of sucks right now. I can't do that because, mm -hmm. um, you know, COVID. <laughs> I mean, you can drive around. 
Uh, yeah, but then I got to lice all my car and I really don't want to do that. <laughs> so, cause it's very, very cold here and I'd have to drive with the windows up. Um, mm. so yeah, I mean, these are those situations where it's just like a moment where Steven gets to get that clarity of mind and that clarity of, oh yeah, I can kind of just relax and be whoever I want to be at this moment. Um, but yeah, I agree with Mark. It's when the crystal gems come in that it's that, oh, back to reality, back to your daily grind, kind of back to like being a crystal gem and doing your job. So your job was if you find gem tech, it has to come back to us. Not that humans are playing with it. Um, Why do you think that they were so scared of humans playing with paradox pod though it's okay first you could you could like activate a distress beacon for for dim world mm-hmm. but also like it's just dangerous you, you you could see how steven could have easily killed all three cool kids um <laughs> just by laser mistake. blast them it's okay <laughs> yeah um so i think it's a very healthy fear of not wanting humans to even touch this sort of technology without understanding it. So do you guys think Ronaldo got uh, any gem tech before they cleaned it up? <sighs> probably. <laughs> he probably like uh like um scrapbooked one of the one of the like beach debris things. You know, I, I understand that they were really good at cleaning up everything, but come on, it took you like a day and a half to get to everything. Yeah. So by that time, I'm pretty sure a lot of people in Beach City may have been like, okay, yeah, we're kind of used to this. We're going to ignore it. Um, What's that other thing? Like ignore, ignore it as if it doesn't exist or ignore it and hope it doesn't exist. Uh, but Ronaldo is very much like, no, we're going to keep Beach City weird. And I have to show that I know that all this is out here. So we're going to collect some debris. It wouldn't have happened if they would have put up a fence with barbed wire. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody listens to Pearl. I'm telling you, man, the barbed wire, I think that really sells it. Listen, they would have had to put it up against Beach City and kept everybody out. Because we saw the debris all over Beach City. That's so it true. wasn't just on a beach. I think that's it. So Anybody have anything else to say about these two episodes? No, I mean, I think at this point, uh, I, 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 I really so. liked... I really liked these two episodes because it shows Steven's emotional growth. Um... And I think we talked about some great topics with it, with, um, you know, where he is developmentally, um, the stuff on DBT, his mindfulness, his, the way his father has emotion, his father's emotional regulation. Um, and, you know, kind of what's the responsible thing to do um, in the eyes of a child versus what's the responsible things to, thing to do. Um, with your loved ones and friends. Um, and the fact that he is practicing self-care, I mean, forced self-care, but it's still self-care. And sometimes 
that is what is extremely necessary. Um, I think that's, that's my, uh, that's my TED talk. That's, that's cats, H cat bits. <laughs> <laughs> we have bits within a bit. That's right. So, uh, bits within a bits within a bit within a bit. That's, that's too many bits. All right. So thank you everybody for joining us. Um, we will be back again in two weeks. You can find us on uh, Instagram. Well, me on Instagram. You can find the rest of us on Twitter. Um, and all of our links will be in our show notes. And of course, the Geek Therapy Network. Um, what is it called, Jean? Because you're the one who does it the most. Sorry? The Geek Therapy Network, where you can talk to that, where you where you talk to everybody. The Discord. Oh yeah, Discord. The, the, uh, okay, okay. Forum.geektherapy.com. That's what I was looking for. Forum.geektherapy.com. See, this is in, in if you want to comment just, on this episode. Yes, he is so behind on this. I mean, I never use it, so <laughs> there's a reason why I don't know it. <laughs> But I will get them to read your post if you post something. Okay. So so if I post By something. Force. Yes. <laughs> John's gonna force me to post something. Um to... so Oh yeah. boy. So again, thanks for joining us and we'll see you guys in two weeks. <laughs>